0: You're on cricket. Cricket Core acquired on
1: four lines. Data speed limited to three megabits per second. Cricket may slow data speeds when the network is busy. Additional fees, usage, and restrictions apply.
0: Hey, everybody. Tony Brisky. Obviously, things are very crazy right now, and having something to escape with mentally for our mental health is very, very important. So, what I want to do on the weekends, I'm going to grab an EPP episode from our archive of more than 300. We'll pick one a week and put that out there for you as well in its entirety so you have something else to enjoy and listen to. A- And if you like those EPP episodes and you want access to all 300 of them, uh, and there's brand new ones every single week, uh, if you want access to all of those, uh, just sign up to be an extra podcast person. If you can, it's only $5 a month. Get all the extra stuff. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories to do just that. These EPP ones that we're going to be dropping for you go way back in our archive uh, several, several years back. These are nowhere near the latest episodes, uh, but there's some good ones from, from many years back. So I'll shut up now. Thank you guys for listening. If you can support the program at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories, that's greatly appreciated. hope you enjoy the audio and hopefully this gives you about an hour or so of just thinking about something else. Welcome to real ghost stories online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802.
1: Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You
0: are about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That indeed it is, and uh, if you are listening to this on the day of its release, Happy Halloween 2015, everyone. Yeah? It is, uh, it's that day. It is. It's exciting. Although, I mean, it's we do it all year long, so... But it's it's still exciting. It is. It's just when the rest of the world is kind of like, oh, you're not so strange. (laughs) You You really do love this holiday. I see why. Anyway, in today's EPP bonus episode, a group of friends decide to spend the night in a newly acquired cabin, but the trip is unexpectedly cut short. A manager loved her job so much, even death couldn't keep her away. And two listeners share different yet very similar stories of their experiences at the Stanley Hotel. <laughs> Is that your best scary voice? I guess. Okay. Oh, I guess that's all I got today. Okay. <laughs> Those stories and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. I could never do that whole, woo, very well. I can do other scary voices. Yeah. Just, you know, kind of dark, but the whole kind of i can't do like a a child scary voice i just scare children too much when i try to be scary mm-hmm. so i can't do like the you know the daytime haunted house version of anything Is just something I'm, I'm not able to no. to pull off no. so there you go uh all right i'm excited about this speaking of daytime haunted houses you want to hear about something really disturbing and messed up sure a uh, a haunted house and I believe this is in my home state of Wisconsin that this happened. Oh, no. I was, uh, I was reading this article the other day, and uh, it was kind of like a haunted house that was designed for less, uh, you know, it's for kids. It's less scary okay. is really all it is. Anyway, uh, so a guy's taking his, his kids through there, and uh, somebody pops out uh, and scares the, the crap out of these two little kids. So in order to try and calm the kids down, the guy takes his mask off. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, the the dad who's with the two little kids is an off-duty police officer. And he recognizes the guy who takes his mask off. And it's a registered sexual offender. That is just messed up.
1: That is bad. That is very, very bad. I,
0: I believe he was removed uh-huh. shortly thereafter. And I believe he's... Uh, uh, incarcerated, for lack of a better term right now. Okay. So, in uh, undergoing whatever, you know, trial or whatever they do at that point. But, uh, yeah, my God.
1: That doesn't help anybody feel better.
0: No. I mean, you can make, a you know, jokes about it. No, here's a real haunted You know, but mm-hmm. my God. That would just, you know. It, and the thing is, nobody would really know unless the right person came by. Thank God the right person came by. Mm-hmm. And was able to identify this individual uh, and get that taken care of. But I was just—I saw that. I'm just shaking my head. I'm like, "Well, that really is horrifying in a totally different it way. Sure is. You know, a, a very real way, but a very not Halloween way. So, anyhow, strange, horrible shit. <laughs> is the uh, the category that that, uh, that falls into. 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Our first story on EPP bonus episode here today comes into us from Dustin. Dustin writes in, Hey there, Tony and Jenny. It's Dustin again. It's been a while since the last time I wrote in. My last story was featured on the episode titled Stairwell to Heaven, where my childhood friend and I saw... A hazy mist in the woods. Since then, I've moved across the country from North Carolina to Washington State, and I can honestly say that your shows kept me sane during the 40-hour drive. Anyway, I feel like this story is way past due. Back in 2012, a group of friends and I decided to spend our full break relaxing at my friend Amy's cabin. Amy's family had just purchased the cabin, and we were going to take on her maiden voyage, so to speak. On the two-hour drive there, we all joked about how we were a group of college kids going to a remote cabin in the woods in the middle of October and ranked the order in which we would die if this were a scary movie. It was all a big joke until we actually pulled up to the cabin. Let me preface this by saying that the cabin was not in the middle of nowhere. If you stood on the back porch, you could see the highway. We were even within walking distance from a gas station and had neighbors just 50 feet away. But the driveway was nothing but mud and loose rocks and a steep incline. It was virtually impossible for our car to make it to the top of the hill, with all of us inside. And on the drive down, we lost traction for a brief instant. After the driver saved us and the car from winding up in the ditch, we all got our first glimpse of the cabin. It was a two-story house covered in old wood paneling. It had only gotten darker over time. The front porch was rotten in some parts, and it looked very sturdy. As you can imagine, the first thought that ran through my head was, Are you shitting me? One of my friends even said, We're going to die here tonight. It looked run down like the previous owners didn't take care of it, but as we entered the cabin, most of our fears lifted. The kitchen was completely redone, and the living room was halfway complete. It was a nice little slice of relaxation, far from homework and projects and tests. There's one catch. The cabin had no internet or cell phone reception. Fast forward to the next night, my friends and I were all still joking about how sketchy the cabin looked when Amy's boyfriend, Ryan, mentioned something about making a Ouija board and trying to contact any spirits that were around there. We all decided that it could be fun, and I was tasked with creating... The makeshift Ouija board. So I took a sharpie to a piece of cardboard and wrote out the alphabet, numbers, and yes and no. Ryan told me to make sure I drew the sun and moon on it because it symbolized balance. I had no idea what I was doing, so I just went with it. He claimed to have used a Ouija board numerous times, so we all followed his lead. We lit four white candles, set them around the board, used a small glass as our planchette. Ryan didn't put his hands on the glass because he had someone had to give their energy to the board for a spirit to come through, so he volunteered to be the energy. He placed his hands on the board, and three of us placed our hands on the glass. The first spirit we talked to seemed normal. We spoke to someone who was just passing through. But that only lasted for a little while. Soon it started spelling out gibberish, And we said goodbye and closed the session. The next spirit we contacted said they were connected to one of us. Immediately, we thought it was Amy's father who had passed away just two years earlier. But we were proven wrong when it spelled out the word train. A little backstory. A long time ago, there was a terrible incident involving one of my family members and a train I was the only person in my friend's group that knew of that incident. It had happened so long ago that it was honestly the last thing on my mind. When we asked the spirit if one of us trained them or if they wanted to train us in something, it moved no each time. Eventually, I asked if the person it was connected to was me, and the glass moved back to yes. It then proceeded to move to spell out K. I-L-L. At which point I took my hands off the glass and told everyone there about the incident. We were all shocked and we decided to end the session. We decided to have one more. We made contact with a spirit that called itself Yarp. Yarp said that he was never alive and that he was well over a hundred years old. We started asking him all sorts of silly questions to which he responded. Then Ryan asked if he knew of any uh, if he knew of, any of us, to which the spirit replied, yes. The glass then spelled out, message. We asked what the message was, but he was unable to spell it out, so it resulted in us having to blindly ask, is this the message? Eventually, Ryan asked who the message was for, and the glass moved over D, which immediately made him ask if the message was for me, to which replied, yes. Someone made the remark that we shouldn't ask anything else creepy to the board, and I said, quote, For the love of God, don't ask if it's life or death. Ryan being the crazy guy, he was asked, word for word, is this a message, matter of life or death? To which a glass moved to yes. I was already past the point of being scared, and just wanted to know. So I asked, am I going to die? To which... The spirit said yes. We decided right then and there that we were done with the makeshift Ouija board and blew out the candles and threw it away. According to Ryan, we needed to cover the board in salt, so we put it in a trash bag, filled it with salt, and threw it in the garbage. Later that night, Ryan started getting uncharacteristically rowdy and began throwing things, as well as being verbally abusive towards Amy. Me and another guy that was there decided that it would be best for him to be separated from everyone since he was scaring Amy and the other girls. Ryan started hitting himself, blaming the Ouija board for letting in demonic spirits. We just thought he was nuts, but looking back, it made sense. He was the one giving his energy to the board. If a spirit wanted to attach themselves to anyone, he would have been the easiest target. Throughout the night, Ryan would say crude, sexually explicit stuff about Amy he stop around the cabin, push us, and even soiled himself at one point. I kid you not, he shit his pants. Around 4 a.m., the five of us barricaded ourselves in the upstairs bedroom and let Ryan run rampant downstairs. The next morning, we all went downstairs together and noticed Ryan had made his way down to the basement where he eventually fell asleep. And just like that, our five-day trip turned into two days and we drove back home that next morning. There isn't any other event in my life that has terrified me more than that night. If the makeshift Ouija board really worked, we all believe that the reason the spirits locked onto me was because I was the one who crafted it. We believe that something locked onto me and stayed with us that night. That it continued to torment Ryan until morning. I thought for a long time that I might be more sensitive to the paranormal than others. And I can assure you that if that's the case, I'll not be using a Ouija board again anytime soon. Especially one that I made. Thank you so much for taking the time to read my story. I know it was long, but it was just something I needed to get off my chest. Thank you again, Tony and Jenny, for creating such a great community. I look forward to listening to more real ghost stories online. Sincerely, Dustin.
1: Okay, I want to know if Dustin can tell us what happened to Ryan afterwards. If anything changed, if Ryan had any recollection of that night, um, you know, or if he continued to to not seem himself.
0: I want to know what Ryan's demeanor was before that night, too. I mean, he may have been a fairly, you know, rowdy individual before. Did he ever go to that extreme or did he kind of have an asshole tendency? You know, how out of characteristic was it Mm -hmm. for him to be doing those sort of things?
1: I think probably... You know, just based on the fact that they had to barricade themselves into a room and lock him out, mm-hmm. that, that it wasn't his normal sure. demeanor.
0: It's college kids. They're in a cabin. I'm assuming they were probably drinking, too.
1: You could assume that. Probably. I,
0: I, I'm wondering, and I wonder about that with the soiling himself and things of that nature, if that had played into it or things, or or would be even more shocking is if none of that was, there was no drinking at all. Mm-hmm. Then that would be even more disturbing and bizarre i'm wondering about uh, some of those things it would be interesting to get some of those answers nonetheless i can't imagine how terrifying that would be no i remember like when i was a kid we had a, a sleepover at a friend's house and uh the friend you know i had some other friends over that were went to a different school that he knew and i remember one of the kids was like crazy i'm mm. sure he's probably in prison today Okay. That's going to be my guess. And I'm usually pretty good at guessing that about mm-hmm. kids. Um, and uh, he was just a nutcase. He was like chasing people around with like literally a, a snow shovel, like the big giant metal kind of snow shovel that you get hit by. You'd probably die. Okay. And I was being terrified because this kid like had no, there was no filter. There was no, no. common sense. Like he was going to kill somebody. And no right or wrong. Nothing. None. Zero. And I remember being terrified by that and eventually um, going into his house and locking myself in one of the bedrooms there for the night. Because mm-hmm. we were supposed to sleep out in the camper that okay. was out back. And this kid was out there and he was a nutcase.
1: Why didn't you just call your mom?
0: I don't... We, cell phones weren't readily available. I don't know why I just didn't go in the house and do it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I was trying to be toughy and tough it out or, you know, I didn't want to be that kid. Yeah. But at the same point... You know, it was just, it was terrifying. Not fun at all. Next story comes into us from May. Hi, Jenny and Tony. First, I want to say I love your show. Maybe a little obsessed even. It helps me get through hours of paperwork. It's my job as a social worker. Anyway, I've written in before and I have several stories to share. And here's one of my favorites. Soon after graduating college, I worked for a residential facility for homeless mentally ill adults. My supervisor, Linda, was this amazing woman who cared for the residents, who in society were outcasts and forgotten. Linda was a divorced middle-aged woman who had an adult child living in another state. He had many friends, but her family was pretty much the residents and staff at this facility. Needless to say, she she dedicated her life to the place and the people who both lived and worked there. Linda was a smoker, and she was proud of it. Unfortunately, this vice eventually led to her getting lung cancer. By the time she was diagnosed, the cancer had already metastasized to her brain and liver. She lived only two months after being diagnosed. The last month was in hospice. During those months, she worried constantly about the facility, the residents, and the staff, despite us reassuring her during our visits to her that everyone was fine. Linda died in her sleep, sleep, and the staff put together a beautiful memorial service where former staff and residents, old and new, came to pay their respects. At this time, a new acting manager was put in place, someone Linda had actually requested. I was working overnight shifts, which required only one staff. Part of my job was to walk the grounds regularly and tidy up. The acting manager decided not to use Linda's office as his office. He said it didn't seem right. He missed Linda and was the most shaken when she died. After Linda died, I started experiencing weird things happening around the main office. Mainly around Linda's office. I'd have strange feelings like someone was watching me. But I was the only one there. I kept Linda's office door closed. And many times, I would hear the door unlatch and squeak open. It was around winter, so I kept the heater on, but there was always a chill just outside Linda's office. A few times the fax machine would start up as if a fax was coming in, but only a blank sheet would emerge. I never said anything to anyone about these happenings until one team meeting. I was talking to a co-worker and mentioned Linda's door opening by itself. To my surprise, he said, you too? He worked the other overnight shifts and said he also experienced these things. We asked the maintenance man if it was possible for the door to do that. He showed us that not only is the door securely latched, but it was an old doorknob, and one had to turn the knob and actually pull hard because it sometimes stuck. I asked about the chill outside Linda's office, and he showed that the heater was working fine. And in fact, the heat did reach that part of the office. Weird. These strange incidences continued to happen, but never once did I feel scared. Strangely, I felt comforted. Coworkers would say, it's Linda checking up. Whenever it happened, I'd say, hi, Linda, everything's fine. Shortly after these incidences started happening, a permanent manager took over. She was not as personable as Linda, but she was very efficient and she ran the facility very well. And the incidences stopped. Was it because, Linda, we satisfied everything was going to be okay? Was she able to finally rest and know someone will take care of what used to be her second home? i moved on since then, but once in a while, I'll drive by the facility and see old co-workers and rehash our overnight adventures. We'd always end with, hi, Linda, everything is fine.
1: I think sometimes you just have to do that, that type of, interaction just to keep them the spirits at bay Mm -hmm. you know we've heard of other stories where well for instance even at disney world Mm -hmm. there's a ride where they have to every morning say hi to george and good night to george for the ride to go a day without malfunctioning yeah so i think sometimes you just have to do that you just have to acknowledge them for things to just go smoothly
0: and that's uh, it's it's really interesting. Sometimes, I mean, it's you know we 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 I think sometimes forget that these were once people too, mm-hmm. if you will. And I think it's you know just treating them as such, even though they're ghosts, can sometimes go quite a long ways to keeping a situation calm. Sure. You know, or, or and I think that also answers the thing where. Sometimes people ask, well, how can I get this this uh, activity to stop or this to, to end? It's scaring me. I don't feel like it's you know going after me in a negative way, but it's not good. Mm-hmm. And that's where sometimes that, that whole simple just, just ask it to stop. Don't interact. Just ask. And sometimes it will. At least that's a good starting point.
1: It's amazing how sometimes they can still act so human even though they're gone.
0: hmm Essentially, they still are.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Jen writes in. Hi, Tony and Jenny. I've written in once before, just a little while back, about the two ghosts in my parents' basement that you read in the episode. Now you see it. I thought this time I'd share a story in some EVPs that happened near Halloween a couple years ago when a friend and I were staying at the Stanley Hotel. There's a lovely place to stay. It actually really is a nice hotel. (laughs)
1: You've stayed there.
0: I have stayed there. We'll talk about that horror story in a few moments. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Continuing on with this horror story, we had gone up there the weekend before Halloween to take part in their annual Shining Ball. We got up there on a Saturday, checked in, and then started getting dressed in our costumes and doing our makeup for the event that evening. One of the first things we noticed in the room was a small creepy door in the back of our closet that kept opening itself. It likely just was due to the settling of the old hotel, but it still creeped us out. To replace something in front of it, keep it closed. That night we hung out at the party downstairs until a little before midnight. When we both decided we were tired, that things were winding down a bit, we went back to the room, cleaned off the makeup, and went to bed. The room only had a single queen bed, so we were sharing it. It was a bit old and rickety, so we noticed... uh, when the others moved or got out of bed I fell asleep rather quickly but then woke up a few hours later to the sound of someone pacing across our room though I hadn't heard my friend get up I assumed it was her and after a little while of listening to it I got irritated sat up and turned the light on to ask what are you doing it was only then that I realized my friend was still lying in the bed next to me awake and frightened as she said it's not me The footsteps stopped, and the room was silent as we both laid there, waiting to see if they'd start again. Knowing that the Stanley Hotel had the reputation of being haunted, and with it being so close to Halloween, I had brought some of my ghost-hunting equipment with me for our stay in case we had felt like investigating some. As such, I decided we'd set out my digital voice recorder for the rest of the night as we tried to go back to sleep to catch the sound of the footsteps. And they started up again. My friend agreed we both settled back in and had some idle talk for a few minutes out of nervousness before we tried to fall back asleep. In the morning, while my friend showered, I had listened to some of the recordings of the night. Fast forwarding to later on as I figured if something had happened, it had occurred once we were both asleep again. I heard nothing unusual by the time my friend came out of the bathroom and I headed in to take a shower of my own. When I came back out, my friend was sitting on the bed, with the voice recorder held her ear, listening intently. I commented that I'd not heard anything yet, and she told me that she was trying to tell what the voice was saying. A short while after, we'd both gone quiet and were trying to sleep. You'd hear a few things. The first was the sound of one of us rolling over in the bed, the frame knocking against the wall before it settled again. Following this was a man's voice speaking close to the recorder and saying a full sentence. I'll let you listen to the recording if you'd like. There's a link to uh, listen to it. I probably should uh, not... Actually, we can. We can put this one up here because this is not going to uh, to YouTube. So we can actually play this back. Yeah. Let's take a little listen. I was going to say, if, we're, if this was a regular episode... It would be flagged by YouTube for copyright. So, but we, uh, we can do this here because we're not doing that. Okay, let's take a listen. Wait. Oh, that's creepy. I'm going to turn that up and play that again and turn the music off. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, here we go. Adjust this volume a little bit. Get that as loud as it can go. Ready for the EVP?
1: Let's do
0: it.: Here we go. Curse you brain. Curse it's...
1: you. Curse you
0: brain. Curse you: brain. Well, that's creepy.
1: Now, I do know I, I knew what it was going to say because I've obviously read the story first, but I can pick out that "curse you" real easy.
0: Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's saying it multiple times over. hmm The best we could count was "curse you." You couldn't get free. Interesting. Or something similar. I could hear that. Curse you or you couldn't. It's funny because you can suggest something and suddenly, oh, yeah, it's of course what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I, I get exactly why they, they feel that way. Needless to say, this freaked us both out. And my friend tried to justify it as being one of us, despite it being male and sounding like either of us throughout the earlier portion of the recording where we were talking back and forth. Shortly after this, I heard another voice that sounded like a small girl's voice. I have that recording as well to listen to. Let's take a listen to this EVP, also taken allegedly at the Stanley Hotel. I don't get a whole lot there. Mm -mm. You get anything there?
1: Play it again. I did it.
0: Oh, I hear it now when you say, okay. Oh, the power of suggestion. Mm -hmm. Bravo to them for picking out that EVP.
1: That's very good.
0: If I was sitting there listening, I would not have heard that. I'm just, I'm not good at that. Uh, Continuing on, it sounds as though she's saying, I did it in a sing-song voice. We both finally agreed we'd listen again after not being able to discern a certain uh, what a man was saying after several listens, and my friend was clearly getting freaked out. We... Uh, Headed out and spent the day in town at Estes Park until we got tired from our late night of little sleep. Returned to the room and my friend suggested we take some photos through the mini door in the back of the closet to see what exactly was back there in the closet. To see what was back there. I agreed and we turned on the ghost radar app on my phone, though I've been skeptical of its legitimacy. So it was more for fun. It was silent up until I stuck my hands holding my camera through the small door, something my friend refused to do, claiming she simply didn't want to break my camera. As I snapped the pictures of what ended up being an empty space with plumbing, heating, and insulation, the phone started to speak. The words it spoke were coming, Father, hide, and cave. Freaked out, I finished snapping the pictures and we both sat on the bed looked through them. We then tried listening to the recording once more, trying to figure out once and for all what the man was saying. We'd been in the room for a good 20 minutes at this point, both hunched over the voice recorder when the locked door that led out into the hall suddenly swung itself wide open and then slowly closed itself again. We both stared At it in disbelief and exclaimed, "'Oh, my God!' at the same time, like the complete nerds we were. Once a few seconds of initial shock had worn off, we both got off the bed and started trying to figure out what had caused it to open. I looked through the hallway, first finding that no one was there and we hadn't heard any footsteps, which were obvious on the creaky old floor in the hall. Around when the door had opened, I tried closing the door just enough so that it didn't latch, but instead of staying in place, it would open by an inch or two immediately, which one of us would have noticed at some point. The door had definitely been shut completely before it was swung open. Even if it hadn't, it would have taken a firm shove for it to have opened all the way, and that still didn't explain it. Then closing once more afterwards, as it hadn't bounced off the wall, then closed, it simply reversed directions on its own. Now thoroughly freaked out, but not sure how to proceed the rest of the evening was spent with us watching the door, listening to the voice recorder, and letting my EMF detector sit to see if we got any spikes of energy. We never did. The second night was quieter, at least on the paranormal front, as we tried to sleep. However, we both had one last strange experience. In the middle of the night, I felt my friend get up, walk to the bathroom, and then close the door. I knew she was in there, and she'd flipped on the light a few seconds before the door closed. I lay her trying to fall back asleep while she went to the restroom, and then I felt her climb back into bed beside me. A second later, the toilet flushed, and she opened the door in the bathroom. I sat up, finding that I was alone in bed. I told her that I swore she'd already gotten back into bed with me, though she clearly hadn't. She looked a bit freaked out once more and told me she had a similar experience earlier. She thought she'd felt and heard me get out of the bed and walk into the bathroom earlier in the night, only to find that I was still lying beside her. I stayed at the Stanley once more since, though. On this occasion, nothing happened. We did ask the clerk who checked us out the next morning if the door to the room we were in had a history of opening on its own. The girl had looked wide-eyed and scared as she said no and asked us why. We explained what happened. The look of worry only grew on the poor girl's face. i like to go back to the Stanley again sometime, though. Sadly, it's gotten rather expensive if you want to go around Halloween when it seemed it was the most active. Sorry this one is so long, but I thought it was worth sharing. I'll likely write in again, as I have a lot more stories I can tell. But I think next I'll tell you about the shadow person who seems to show up at random occasions, years apart.
1: So, I can't help but think the ghost radar was picking up the little kid hiding from whatever came in the door. Mm-hmm. And it it's probably it, it just something makes me think that this was like a little kid trying to crawl into bed with them.
0: Mm-hmm. Out of fear, mm-hmm. like little kids do.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Not a, a real uh, fun room, I think, to stay in. I mean, I guess if you want activity, sure, that'd be the one to stay. In. And they do like say there are certain rooms that have more activity than others, and you can request them if you so choose. Mm-hmm. I think if you do something like that, I think the uh, the chance of getting a refund of any sort are kind of out the window. If you're like, I can't stay here, well, you wanted the bad room, right? But I I I've, I could be wrong on this, but I seem to recall that I saw a documentary on it not that long ago. Where there's a certain room in that hotel that they just don't have anyone stay in anymore. It's just turned into storage. Do do you recall that?
1: No. But uh, I think our next story may help with that.
0: Okay. Cause I, I do remember hearing something about that where there's just so much that goes on mm-hmm. in in this one room and they get so sick of guests leaving and trying to do refunds. They said, Screw it, we're just not using this room anymore. Right. Um, so that's uh that's an interesting uh Interesting, interesting place. I did stay there once, and uh, I actually had a really good night's sleep. Yeah. (laughs) Which is odd, because the two haunted hotels that I've stayed in, um, that I knew were like, well, I guess I've stayed in more hotels that were haunted, but like that were, you know, really kind of, I went there because of the ghosts. Mm -hmm. Um, There was one that was uh, near Petoskey in Michigan where I was doing a morning show. We did a, a ghost show from there one morning. And uh, the previous night leading up to the show, stayed there. Best night of sleep. And I wake up constantly. Yeah. I- I'm someone who wakes up probably four to five times a night. I did not wake up once that night. Don't know how, don't know why. When I went to bed, I got up and did the show. Never got up once. Very, now that that is paranormal in my world. Sure. For that to happen. not If I was hearing ghosts or things, You know, I could make creaks out of anything and and think it's something, the way my mind would work. But to sleep the whole night through, that was odd. At the Stanley, also, slept the whole night through. Very similar fashion. Hmm. Just like, so I don't know. I don't know what it is, why it is. I mean, I've theorized many things where maybe whatever these things are, don't want me to hear them or Mm -hmm. know about them or whatnot. And for whatever reason, they help me sleep. So my best NyQuil is staying in a haunted hotel. (laughs) That's great. If I need a good night's sleep, go take me to a haunted place and I will be out. That's funny. So it's very, very odd. I did, when I was there, get a chance to go wander into uh, the carriage house, quote unquote. And you say carriage house and you think very small. No, it's a giant, another hotel size building. Mm -hmm. Um, It's right next to the Stanley. And it's also, I believe, has rooms in. When I was there, nothing was occupied. There's a big, giant entrance and ballroom or, like, facade, if you will, It was mm-hmm. you walk in. I don't know if it's just a grand, you know, foyer or if it is a ballroom. I suppose probably used for both. Um, but very, very big. And lots of windows, you know, uh, outlining the walls of this building. And lots of big white curtains hanging. And when it's, the moon is out, and it's fairly bright out, it's it creates a rather creepy atmosphere when there's no lights on in the building, Ooh. which there were not when uh-huh. I explored it. I wandered over there, and uh, after having a couple beverages at the bar, waiting for some of my friends to show up, because they were all extremely late, and I was just I'm like, I'm going to go explore. I'm curious. You know, I just want to look around. Mm-hmm. So I wandered around, and I found the carriage house, and I thought... Now, this it's going to be locked, but I'm just going to walk up here and just look in the window. No, it's unlocked. It was unlocked. I don't know if we're supposed to be or not. So I uh, I went in, and I, I just walked in essentially to the middle area uh, of that big grand entrance. And I just looked around. And I was in there for, I don't know, probably 15 seconds or so. And it just overwhelmingly creepy feeling. It just... Mm-hmm. I knew there was no one else in there. I didn't hear anything. Um, and I'm not really a super sensitive person, but you just felt like you weren't alone in that building. Uh-huh. I mean, and you know there was no one else in there because, I mean, light's completely off, hearing nothing. If someone was in there maintenance-wise or something, you'd think they'd have some light on. Sure. But just the the light shining through those curtains in the darkness, uh, it just made for essentially the perfect horror setting. <laughs> If I had, like, a camera on me, I would have done, like, a panoramic because it would have been just the creepiest shot ever. Uh, But I had nothing paranormal happen to me there other than I slept really well. Uh Uh-huh. So, it's a neat place. It really is. Yeah. Lots of of history there. All right. And it looks like we have another story.
1: We do. And I just want to say before we read this one, remember some of the the details of the last one.
0: Okay. And,
1: And then we'll discuss at the end.
0: Okay. So, keep in mind... Some of the things that happened in the previous story. Mm-hmm. Okay. This one's called The Children from the Stanley Hotel. Oh, look who it is. Yeah. I'm excited. Okay. Oscar from Dallas writes this in. And I, I want to note this, because I, I think I did mention it on last week's EPP, uh, but if you didn't get a chance to catch that yet, uh, Oscar, uh, the, uh, the NPR show Snap Judgment uh, contacted us a while back looking for spooky stories. Imagine contacting us for Spooky Stories. Uh, and uh, I referred them to the Oscar story, uh, his original one, the, the zombie ghost clone. Mm-hmm. Uh, cause it's it's one of my all-time favorites. So Oscar actually retold that story on last week's episode of S- uh, Snap Judgment on NPR, uh, which you can probably get through their app or whatever. Uh, anyway, it's worth checking out and, and hearing. Uh, I mean, you've probably already heard Oscar recount that story on our show, but uh, they did a really good job producing it up. Sure. Adding some cool effects and hearing Oscar tell it again. Uh, that story just doesn't get old to me. <laughs> but anyway, that's on uh, their, it was last week's episode, their Halloween episode of uh, Snap Judgment. So anyhow, all right, here's a new Oscar story. I like to clarify some things. Not all ghosts I see are zombies and some spirits help me find items and people. In my teens, a ghost helped me get away from a violent gang and I believe saved my life. That's a story for another time. I do have some funny and positive ghost stories. I just choose to tell you my scariest experiences. I want to tell you non-scary ghost stories. This story takes place in Estes Park in Colorado around November of 2014. My wife had been invited to a software conference in downtown Denver. My wife had surprised me with a four-day getaway and a romantic trip to Denver. We'd stay two days in Estes Park and the last two days in downtown Denver. You see, I've never been to Denver, so I was very excited about our trip. Once we arrived, my wife rented a car and headed to Denver. After a while, I noticed we passed Denver and headed to Estes Park. My wife had surprised me with a hidden mini-trip to stay at the Stanley Hotel for two days. I asked her, how did you get the reservation, and she replied, I bought them on Groupon for a really cheap price. That'd be a way you can stay on a budget there, because they are not cheap. Mm-hmm. Just in case you never heard of Groupon, it's a discount website. I thought to myself, and it's not a uh, advertisement, by the way, either. Yeah. I, I thought to myself, oh, great, another crappy room. You see, we used that uh, service before for a hotel, and it was not a great experience. We started to drive up the Rocky Mountains. noticed a lot of devastation caused by a recent horrible flood in the area. I took pictures of the flood aftermath and it was very bad. At the time I was thinking to myself, great, now I'm going to start seeing victims of floods. So I placed my mind in a happy place and moved on. Finally we arrived at our destination high up on the Rockies. The Stanley is a very beautiful and majestic hotel. A hotel that had an old energy, nothing evil but more like restful. The energy wasn't evil or dark, it was more natural. More like when you visit an ancient site like the Grand Canyon. I was excited and ready to settle into my room and explore the Estes town. So we tried to check in using our Groupon reservation to get our room. That's when we received the bad news. They were overbooked and all the crappy rooms were taken. My wife, with very angry voice, demanded to speak to the manager... The manager shortly arrived and listened and suggested they would assist us looking for another hotel. My wife, being a good businesswoman, convinced the manager to get us a better room. The manager came back and told us they had one room, but their room was a high-noise level room. My wife and I didn't know anything about the Stanley Hotel. We just knew that the movie The Shining was based on the hotel and that Dumb and Dumber was filmed there. The manager and the receptionist stepped to the side. I could hear the manager telling him, put them in that room. And the receptionist telling them, do they know? Oh, that's great. Do they know? (laughs) The manager replied, I don't care, just do it. I told my wife, did you hear that? She said, I know it must be a pretty good room. The receptionist walked back and started to register us at the hotel. As soon as the manager walked away, she told us that the room would be ready in one hour because the room is almost never stayed in and We decided to move to another room. He would let us know if something else opened. I remember thinking to myself, what's wrong with the room? My wife turned and said, it's probably the smoking room. I'm sure it'll smell like smoke. Finally, the receptionist gave us the key to our room, 401. Receptionist explained, since they didn't have a room available for us, the manager arranged for us to use this room receptionist explained the room was a high-traffic room and was usually booked for special events, and it's one of the biggest rooms. receptionist handed us a coupon for $40 to be used for a courtesy alcoholic drink at the bar, maybe to be used at the local Stanley shop. We decided to go shopping at the local Stanley store. Don't get me wrong, it was too early for alcoholic drinks, but it did cross my mind. We walked into the store, and we noticed a lot of souvenirs for two famous rooms. 217 and 401. I called my wife over. Come look at this. Hey, our room key is here. That's funny. I wonder if all rooms have a souvenir key to them. So we asked the store clerk. She explained, Oh, the really, really haunted one, sir. Felt like someone punched me in the stomach. Great, I thought to myself. Why don't they just tell us about the room? My wife was like, Who cares? You know, it's just a story to attract people to the hotel. We took the old elevator to the fourth floor and our room was right next to the elevator. See, Oscar, it's a high traffic area. It's next to the elevator. As soon as I walked in, I felt an instant pressure in the back of my head. The room felt like a hospital feels like. I told my wife something bad happened here and I feel it. She told me to stop, please. We're here to relax and have fun. So I smiled and I said, okay, let's get some dinner. At the time, I didn't know anything about the room. We just knew it was considered haunted. We walked around and we did a bit of shopping and the bar hopping. Finally, we decided to go back and turn in for the night. My wife had to run downstairs to do something. I don't remember what, but I decided to take a shower. I always close my door while taking a shower. Regardless if I'm alone or not, it's just a habit. That's when... We heard the restroom door creak open slowly. I yelled to my wife. Did you bring me something? I didn't get a reply back though. That's cool. I thought she didn't hear me got out, walked into the room expecting to see my wife and there was nothing. Looked around. Maybe she stepped out again. Several minutes later, my wife walks in as she smiles. She asked me, did you miss me? I asked her in a confused manner. Why didn't you answer me? She said, I didn't come in. She exclaimed that she was on the phone in the conference call. Well, I told myself, so I got ready for bed. I fell asleep quickly. It was a very comfortable bed, even though it was really a high-traffic area. The hotel guests would stop and discuss, take a photo of our door. Regardless, I fell into a deep sleep, but suddenly around 3 in the morning, something yanked me around so hard I almost fell out of bed. I quickly looked around and nothing. The room was colder than usual. Note the hotel does not have an air conditioner. I didn't leave the window open. I fell asleep with my back towards my wife. As soon as I closed my eyes, something yanked my arm hard. It's on for about an hour, so I decided to turn towards to face my wife. That's when I see the top of a child's head run along the edge of the bed. It was a boy about the age of three or four. Seems to be playing with me. As soon as I saw him, he ducked under the bed. I could hear him run and breathe. I was very familiar with the four-year-old because my son was four around the same time. I tried to sleep while facing my wife. The child wouldn't yank my arm. That's when I noticed more kids running around my bed. I only saw the top of their heads. By this time, I was tired and really frustrated. The second I closed my eyes, I heard them running. If I faced away from my wife, they would yank my arm or pull my feet. Suddenly, everything stopped. I looked towards the living room, and that's when I saw a yellow shadow figure of a man seated on a chair in the living room. He looked like a mounty with a funny hat. He had a distinct beard, and he looked from another time. His legs were crossed, and he was smoking a cigar. He seemed almost enjoying my torment, As soon as he noticed it, I noticed him. He got up, waved his hand, calling for someone. Then he walked into the closet. That's when I heard the kids running in the hallway. After that, nothing bothered me, and I fell asleep. The next day, I didn't tell my wife what I experienced, but not until she told me her experience. She turned and looked at me. Did you hear anything last night? I smiled and said, why? The half-scared and half-surprised expression. She told me something hugged me like a child would I thought it was a dream and I felt the sheet move like a snake would she took a quick look and she saw a little hand she closed her eyes and as soon as she faced me it stopped she said whatever it was seemed to be looking for comfort like a lost child I finally told her and she suggested changing rooms I told her no need it's a good room and it shouldn't happen next time we decided to take a ghost to her just to see what the staff had to say about our room. The ghost tour was pretty cheesy, with a wannabe medium telling us the history of the hotel. Finally, we got to my room, 401, and they explained that children are heard running around and that the original owner haunted the hotel. I asked who the kids were and did they die in the hotel. The medium had no answers. I don't even think they correlated. The man with the funny hat with the kids... My own impression I got from the room suggested that some sort of child abuse, maybe even murder. But what do I know? I decided to do my own ghost tour, and after a while, I had a gang of people following me. I did feel different types of energy throughout the hotel, especially in the lobby area.
1: So, I think between what we've heard from the the first story before this Mm -hmm. and then this one... There's a lot that kind of goes hand in hand. Sure. As far as, you know, the the kids, them going into the closet, um, you know, and Oscar's gut telling him something bad happened in his room, Mm -hmm. which may have not been the same room as the author in the previous story stayed in, but still, you know, it's all within the same hotel. Sure. But that something bad happened and the kids, you know, feeling like he felt like the kids had something happened to them
0: you have to wonder about the kid thing Mm -hmm. you know i don't believe there's any sort of documented anything of children dying or anything like that on the property i couldn't be wrong but i I don't believe there is yeah um but you know you go back in history to a certain extent and a certain point in time and documents weren't all that uh taken well if you will
1: i almost wonder if it was more just an ongoing abuse type situation sure
0: and it's just the energy that's still
1: with mm-hmm. the kids wanting to hide and, mm-hmm. and the fear of yeah. the the fathers or, you know, the man with the hat. Sure. I think these two stories are kind of talking about the same spirits. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it very well could be mm-hmm. very interesting one and another great one uh, from Oscar. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Oscar, for sharing another one of your many haunted experiences we love to uh to hear those here on the show there you go happy halloween everybody that wraps up this epp bonus episode of real ghost stories online thanks for being epp supporting the show and helping to keep us on the air please keep that up we greatly uh, appreciate that check out the new video feature that we just released this week it's called talking ghosts uh, all sorts of fun stuff in there uh including uh answering some of your uh, tweets facebook uh, messages uh, also, we take a look at some real creepy ass pictures, including one involving one hell of a bag of bones. Yeah. One of our listeners found right out the window. Check it out on uh, the video. You can check it out through the website uh, on our ghostpodcast.com website when you uh, log into your account there. It's uh, right up there to click and to view. So enjoy. Until next time, for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.